Hey, welcome to the Africa podcast. My name is Mikey Mhenna. Boy, oh boy, oh boy, do we have a good show today. This is another edition of our Quarter Tone series that explores what music of the Arab world did, does, and could sound like. Today, our guest is Clarissa Bitar, who is a Houd player and composer based in Los Angeles. This is a lot of fun. I hope you enjoy the conversation. And if you haven't joined these conversations live, you really should. You get to ask her a question and see this all happen live. Go to afikita.com slash RSVP to do it. Okay, enjoy. Welcome, everyone. Our special guest is Clarissa Bittar, who is a Palestinian Arud musician and composer born and raised based in Los Angeles, California. She graduated from UC Santa Barbara with a degree in music and an emphasis in ethnomusicology. As a student, Clarissa won multiple awards for excellence in performance in ethnomusicology and had the privilege of playing around California with the UC Santa Barbara Middle East Ensemble. To further her studies, Clarissa sought and learned from the uh, from prominent uh, Arab Arudists, including Simon Shaheen, Shalbula Rohana, and Basim uh, Sabo. Uh, Clarissa, welcome to Quarter Tones. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> I'm happy to be I'm, here. I'm really honored that you that you're here. Um, and I kind of want to start with um, asking you about where you are right now physically. Well, physically, uh, I'm in my studio in my house, um, which is uh, in the Los Angeles area. So what does it feel like to be sort of playing um, and studying and having studied more sort of classical Arab music in, in, in many cases in the center of uh, music production, contemporary music production? Um, and sort of being oriented in that in that in that place, surrounded by tons of musicians um, who are interested in sort of producing and publishing and exploring contemporary music. Well, so like what? How does that sort of all meld together in in your brain? Yeah, that's that's a position I find myself um, often in. And there's a lot of artists, like you said, in Los Angeles that um, want to do collaborations. And, and uh, more recently, a lot of um, artists who are Arab or who have, you know, Arab heritage that they want to be, you know, kind of giving a nod to. And so a lot of times um, the basis of the music will just be like, you know, you know, Western pop or like hip hop or whatever it might be. But then when they want to bring in that little <laughs> flair for us, it's it's by like calling me and having me put some wood lines in a lot of times. And um, it's been interesting to see those two sides and like work with a lot I've had like the privilege of working with a lot of different type of artists and in a lot of different genres which has been cool because it kind of stretches where you think the instrument can be um you know I I obviously I grew up like very doing like very classical stuff um and like I still really appreciate a lot of the classical stuff but a lot of the um a lot of the stuff now that people want to be incorporating, it's 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 a different form. It has like a different life in it, and it's got um, it's a different way of thinking about it. Yeah. And yeah. so I, I enjoy that aspect of it. It's definitely been um, something that's kind of pushed my brain to different directions. And you always have you know people that hear this instrument, they want it for loops and they want it for all types of things. You know, um, it can be used in a lot of different ways and. And for film and stuff too, you know, scoring. Obviously, when you score with this type of stuff, it has a very specific image that it evokes automatically. Yeah. Um, when did you first start playing Arwood? Um, I started playing Arwood when I was 18, actually. So kind of late. Um, it was when I went to UC Santa Barbara. 
yeah. that I had the opportunity. Yeah. So what did you play before then? Yeah, I, I grew up as a guitarist. So I've been playing guitar since I was 10. It was like a real, you know, passion of mine playing guitar growing up. I like would, a lot of times I try to play out of these songs, like play along. And I didn't understand that there were frets that kind of like made limited the amount of notes that I could actually play for Arabic music. And so it wasn't until I started studying Oud that, you know, you start applying different things and connecting the dots here and there. And like, obviously muscle memory was a huge, you know, it was a huge help that I had muscle memory on the guitar to be able to like, you know, how to press down with your hand and stuff like that. Basic things. There are some obviously like, you know, differences. And then of course, growing up with the music as well, like constantly like made it, I think an easier bridge, like easier gap to bridge in, in some ways, because I had like been pre exposed to it, like growing up the music all the time. And then I was also a guitar player. So. Do you roll your eyes when you hear sort of like um, 1990, early 2000 Arab samples and sort of Fat Joe and, and Jay-Z songs? Do you, are you like, oh my God, another one of da 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 <laughs> Yeah, you know, there's a, it's a small window that they used that, of like sound samples that is used to evoke, right, that. Correct. The sound of the Middle East. And so it's just like, for someone that understands like the, the wide range of like scales and things that we actually have access to. And then what gets like filtered down and like consumed by, you know, a lot of times by the West is just like a very small select amount. So it can kind of become like, Oh my gosh, not this again. You know, mm -hmm. also it can be frustrating because sometimes that's literally people's only reference to, you know, and they'll be like, Oh yeah. Like, like what's on JC, like a big pimp in or something, you know, like that's like their only reference sometimes. And I'm like, yeah, that's actually from this song. And so it can be interesting at times for sure. I kind of roll my eyes at times. Definitely. So tell us a little bit about this, this uh, EP that we have on the screen and give us some sort of context, um, what people can expect to hear later on in this conversation, but also if they, queue you up on YouTube or on Spotify or on Apple Music, what do they find? Yeah, this is a really special EP to me. Um, it was the first one I worked on and it was with Muhammad Al-Qurd, the poet. Definitely, he, you know, he's got such incredible poetry that I, I would just sit with the poems and he came, we actually made it in this room, this <laughs> safe studio. And so he came over and we, you know, we sat down. It was, you know, Couple of years ago, I think it was in 2018. For those for those who can't see the screen, so this is 2019 belly dancing on wounds. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, and so he, you know, he was talking about the the title. It's he was mentioning how so much of the so much of the music that we have in in Arabic music is so upbeat and dancey, and then if you look at the words, actually, a lot of it's very depressing and like very sad, you know, and there's this very like clear juxtaposition between the music and the words, and so we kind of wanted to play on that um, a little bit. It didn't hit me actually listening to it, like how special it was to me to make until I listened to it in Palestine, mm -hmm. and you know, as I'm, because he, he in, in the, in the, in the poetry about, he describes a lot of like, you know, things about his daily life and the things about driving the bus and things that when I was sitting in Palestine, listening to the poetry, just had brought a lot of different levels of meaning to me about, to the poetry. And so this is definitely a very special project to me. Walk me through the composition process. So it's, you sat down over the course of a, a sort of a month, he was in town and you're like, all right, come over, let's put this together. Or is, is it sort of a single session over, are you trading voice notes over the course of a year? 
how does it sort of go together? Yeah, he came over for, I think, two weeks or something like that. And um, we just locked ourselves in here. He had some poems that he already um, wrote and then other poems that he freestyled like parts on the spot and then, you know, became part of it. And it was just a very like it just flowed so naturally because, you know, he was being inspired by the music and like ideas and of things. And then I was like so inspired by his work and, and the words and it was giving me also ideas as well. So we kind of just sat through and we we put we recorded a lot of his poetry and the audio tracks and then we would sit down together and like produce music around that those tracks. And a lot of times, you know, we'd we do it the other way where we produce music and be like, okay, this has to be for this poem. And then he'd record the poem over it. So it really depended, but it was very like a very collaborative process between the both of us. You know, we were just sitting in the room together and exchanging ideas and, and trading ideas. And then that's what we came up with. So it was a really Amazing. fun project to me. So tell us a little bit about the first, uh, the first interlude that you're going to be playing. Just cue it up a little bit, then we'll talk about it afterwards. Yeah. Um, it's, I'm going to play it the Asim, which is an instrumental improvisation, and I'm going to do it in Makam Nahawand. Um, that's going to be the Makam I'm going to start with. Um, and I'm going to modulate as well to other Makamat during the Ta'asim, and I'll eventually return back to Nahawand. And that's something that's just like a big part of the Arab tradition, a big part of the instrumentalist tradition in Arab music. So I'm excited to do that one. Cool. So I'm going to mute myself and we'll take it from there.
Beautiful, absolutely stunning. So I have a bunch of questions. If you just keep, if you keep the instrument in your hand, I have a bunch of questions for you. Okay. Can you just give us some basic terminology? The when you're going like da -da 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 -da, when you're like uh, going back and forth between some of the lower strings and some of the higher strings, using the lower strings as sort of this common common refrain um, to sort of root or sort of um, yeah root the root the the sort of improvisation that you're doing. What is that called? So you you mean this technique? Right. Yeah, this is called an upper pedal. Um, so people call an upper pedal, and basically you're 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 pedaling one note, and yeah. you're, you're at the same time hitting other notes. Um, and it's a really common oud technique. It's it's very much like one of the accents of the right. you know. You know this idea of seeing th these pieces, right? How do you sort of, or how did you, uh, as you were playing that, think through the end of sort of one phrase and the one section as you move into a new maqam? Um, right there, I used Nahawand, um, I did some Bayati, I did some Hijaz, some Saba, and some Ajam. So, do each of them in your mind have a specific color or a specific flavor or a specific emotion? Or, like, how do you even? Uh, definitely an emotion for me. Um, okay. For sure. Um, and a, just a vibe, you know. For me, Nahawand is very, like, serious. Um, and heavy, and it feels very contemplative. Are you um, making references in your head? Is it like like uh, like jazz players are like constantly referencing, or or hip hop hip hop uh, uh, rhymers right are like constantly referencing other rhymes? Yeah, yeah, we're big thieves. I mean, yeah. <laughs> no, but yeah, like it's really and truly. I, every time I'm listening to something, I'm like, oh. What was that? I'm gonna save that. I'm gonna store that one for later. And so you're always kind of, I mean, anything that you've heard has has probably been played before and it's into some capacity, right? So you're always trying to take ideas and like melt ideas together and re, you know, repackage yeah. them and transform them in different ways. A lot of my compositions actually were just, you know, parts of songs that I just loved so much. And I like took them and I you know, made something different from them and you rework it. And so it is like a huge part of the tradition, you know, I mean, that's why I tell people I teach, I'm like, if you play for, you know, two hours a day or an hour a day, you should be listening for like three hours of the day. Okay, let's go on to the second one. What is this uh, interlude and why did you pick it before we go into it? Um, this, is, this is for my latest album, um, which is called Hassan Sabi. I call I titled this one Al Mizan um, after my partner because um, she's a Libra. So <laughs> I made this song for her. And she also she really she loves Debke, um, and I wanted to have kind of just like this not really like new, the the new Debke, but this old school heavy like Debke kind of vibe. Um, like you'll see it when I play the song. But yeah, it's it's a it's a song I made for her.
what do you what are you sort of feeling as you as you play that play that um this one just feels very powerful to me you know it's like i i wanted it to feel like a powerful opening um and you know it's it's i wanted it to feel just like a strength in it you know because my partner is such a strong you know person in my life and she really like provides me with a lot of strength as well like she's a, like literally my number one supporter so i wanted this song to be just feel like powerful and you know have that energy to it as well and, and it's the first one on the album so i wanted to you know kind of open up with like a good a good start so is it are you thinking of i mean it's interesting like are you thinking of these as songs or i know that sounds like a stupid question no it's not a stupid question i know i think of them as moods if that's yeah. weird to think about you know what i mean to me they're very much moods and i know that a song can be a mood and it can you know be this gray area but obviously they're instrumental um and so to me you know it's not the type of music that you're singing like listening obviously to sing along to or you know maybe even to like dance to but it's very much I, i've heard from people that like wow you know like, i like to listen to music when i'm trying to focus or when i'm trying mm -hmm. to do work or when you know i want to feel like or i'm feeling sad or something you know it's it just it can be a a, a lot of i think that's how I, I kind of described them it was like a collection of moods for me and yeah. And I, each mood, like each song on that album is kind of like a love letter to different people in my life, whether it's like, you know, my partner or to my grandparents or to myself or my family. So a lot of those have their own mood to them as well, which is kind of like what I what I go for, I think, when I'm when I'm composing. Yeah. yeah. All right. So I, let's get to our quick Q&A. OK, first question. What are you listening to right now that may surprise me? Um. Well, we, that may surprise you. I don't know if this will surprise you that I was listening to. Well, I, we've been listening to a lot of Kara Afinjan uh, for Abdul Halim because just everybody in the family has been on that song lately. We've just been hearing it all over. Like, I don't know if I love the, I love the communal listening. <laughs> yeah. <party. laughs> Invite me over for one of these family listening, <laughs> listening events. Yeah, it's always a show here, definitely. We, you know, I live next door to my grandmother. And so we've got, and my uncle's next door as well. So, I mean, there's always just a huge amount of family around and everyone loves music. So it's just like a pastime. Everyone will listen together. Who would you love to, um, I'm going to change this one too. Who would you love to collaborate uh, with who is not alive? So many people. <laughs> it's a tough question because there's so many yeah. people that I'd love to do that with. But uh, I feel like a lot of the composers that were, um, that have like unfortunately passed away at that time, I would have loved to be able to sit with and like exchange ideas and like pick their brains and, you know, um, discuss ideas with them. So people like Mohammed Abdul Wahab, who I really look up to for, as, a, like, as a composer. Um, so I want to open up for questions. We have one question um, in the chat so far. One of them is from Rafik. Rafike? Rafik. There's two questions. One said, how many notes on average are in a scale? And then the the second question is, what tuning do you stay in most often? And the third one is, have you ever tried harmonizing with uh, your voice using quarter tones from the root? Um, so the first one, how many notes are in a scale on average? First one, yes. So in, in Arabic music, there's 24 notes per octave. Um, and usually the scales are like any octave, you know, eight notes, like from the top to the bottom. Um, but there are also 
extra notes, then this is why it's not really like the word scale sometimes doesn't fully encompass what a maqam is because a maqam is kind of more like a mode. And there's a lot of um, accidental notes and things that are also incorporated that might not be like fully considered part of the actual maqam that you'll you'll hear. There'll be those eight notes in a, in a maqam, for example, but of, of course there are those like extra ones that you have to learn for each maqam. So yeah. what tuning do you stay in most often? So for those of you who are listening, a standard like Western guitar is E, A, D, G, B, E, those six notes. What is a Oud standard tuning? Um, Oud standard tuning is, um, well, for standard Arabic tuning, is yeah. from, the, from the lowest note, like the, the lowest pitch, yeah. C, F, A, D, G, C. The last question is, have you ever tried harmonizing with your voice using quarter tones from the Oud? It's definitely tough, I think, to, I mean, on the spot to do it, like for me to think about harmonizing while I'm playing, because I'm usually used to staying on that note. Um, so even like a lot of the singing in Arabic music, you're playing along the same melodic line. So to think of singing in a harmony, it probably requires some little brain work for me, but I haven't, I haven't tried it, but it's an interesting idea. You know, probably I'll sit next time and try it. I'll see if I can do it. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Well, Clarissa, this was super fun, very informative. If anyone's listening and can't see the screen, you can find Clarissa on all the social media platforms, uh, just C-L-A-R-I-S-S-A-B-I-T-A-R. Um, Clarissa, this was a really, really fun conversation. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. Thank you so much for having me. All right, Clarissa. Thanks so much. Thank you. Hey, I hope you enjoyed that episode. If you'd like to watch the full uncut version, go to youtube.com slash afikra. There you can see the full video versions of these podcasts. If you'd like to learn more about what we do, go to afikita.com where you can learn about our Zoom events, our live events in 30 different chapters around the world, our social media presence, and our podcasts and YouTube stuff. You should know that everything we do is all towards a mission of converting passive interest in the histories and cultures of the Arab world into an active intellectual curiosity. By listening to this, you're a part of that movement, so thank you for being here. If you'd like to support our work, go to afikra.com support and join the hundreds of people around the world who make this work possible. Thanks.